welcome to the Bukasul podcast with me, P.S. Nisim, where I read, review and dissect books from the Desi perspective. I try to pick up books that deserve a little more attention, uh, talk about them, give you their flavor, and finally try and connect them and give you some context that will help you enjoy them better. As usual, I'm picking up two books in this episode. The ones I've chosen this time are The Far Field by Madhuri Vijay, published by 4th Estate in late 2019, and The Legend of Himal and Nagrai, Kashmiri Folk Tales by Onaiza Drabu, published by Speaking Tiger Classics, early 2020. Apologies in advance if I'm getting the pronunciation wrong for some of these. So as you know, I'm breaking the rules here a bit by picking up two new books again. In fact, I hadn't even started out selecting these two. I intended to take the first at the far field and then compare it against an older literary classic like say The God of Small Things and then compare them together. But I wound up getting a Himal and Nagrai for a review and as I read it, I kept comparing the two. And there were sparks between the two, uh, definitely. And the two books speak to each other in different ways. So here we are. Well, let's start with our first book of the day, The Far Field by Madhuri Vijay, published by Fourth Estate. This book comes to us highly recommended. It's won the JCB Prize for Literature 2019. It's been shortlisted for a couple of others. Uh, the blurbs on the book back and forth come from really well-known names like Pankaj Mishra and Sonia Fellero to the New York Times Book Review and the New Yorker. Everybody loves it and everybody's written a review. So if I'm going to do the standard literary fiction review thing here, I'll be saying exactly nothing new at all. So instead, I'm going to do what people do when they want to look smart in meetings and ask everyone to take a step back and look at the book in context. Uh, The context here, of course, is that this is literary fiction with a capital L and F, and it talks about Kashmir from that angle. Uh, Let's first read out a bit from the beginning to get a flavor of the book. The story is told by Shalini, a young lady who lives in Bangalore. Uh, The emotional core of the book, though, is uh, her mother. Here is Shalini describing her mother in her own words. My mother, with her lightning tongue and her small collection of idols on a shelf in the kitchen. My mother, with her stubborn refusal to admit the existence of meat or other fates, who crossed the streets when we passed a halal butcher with his row of skinned goats, their flanks pink and shiny as burned scars. My father did not eat meat either, but he was quick to add that it was personal preference. According to him, there was no logic-based argument against the consumption of meat. I myself had sampled bites of chicken and mutton, even beef, from friends' lunch boxes, and apart from an initial queasiness, I liked them all. The one time I made the mistake of telling my mother, she held out her arm and said, Still hungry, little beast? That's beautiful prose, isn't it? Uh, The story proceeds on two tracks, uh, switching between them. Uh, The first is where Shalini is a young girl and a Kashmiri clothes peddler called Bashir Ahmed comes to the place and strikes up an unlikely friendship with uh, Shalini's mother. Uh, The other is the track in the present of the narration, almost, where uh, Shalini's mother has now passed away. And uh, without going too deep into what happens next, Shalini winds up in Kashmir looking to find Bashir Ahmed as some sort of a connection to the past. 
just like the excerpt you just heard uh, the prose flows beautifully everywhere uh, <coughs> uh, madhuri vijay has done a great job of creating a kind of suspense as to what happens next and the secrets that the people involved share uh, she also does a good job of describing kashmir as a place and the people who live there and if you step back as i suggested earlier and look at it as a literary fiction book it follows all the right conventions as well for one uh, shalini is the outsider she belongs to bangalore but comes to kashmir so she plays the audience surrogate as it's called taking us the audience deep into the unfamiliar world of kashmir uh, for another the book overlaps past and present in order to give the story layers this is this is a pretty common convention as if you have read the god of small things if you have read midnight's children this happens a lot uh, the detailed writing and descriptions are another sign they give you time to think they slow down the story and give it richness but they also put off new readers but most tellingly i think because uh, literary fiction's form is dictated by the western world in my opinion there is a big reliance on western tropes and the writing f- seems to focus on a non indian audience primarily let me read out a small excerpt from where shalini enters a house in kashmir in kishtwar and note the adjectives and the terms used to show off the place the floor was covered in a patterned cloth colorful bolsters lined the walls the man pointed to a small salmon colored sink in the corner while i washed my hands he carried my rucksack behind a curtain that obviously led to the rest of the house moments later a woman emerged from behind the same curtain with a plate she was stocky and broad featured and unsmiling and when she said sit here her voice was like iron it brooked no indecision and i was glad to obey she heaped rice onto a plate and laid a large piece of chicken on top eat she said and disappeared behind the curtain again left by myself i took a mouthful of chicken and nearly wept the rice was fragrant the chicken tender and flavored subtly with cardamom uh, did you note the adjectives it it called the sink salmon colored and i personally don't know anyone who calls chicken flavored subtly with cardamom those are more for restaurant menus and probably for the western kind of cuisine and to take the thought further there are hardly any kannada hindi urdu words used even though the story is set in bangalore and kashmir with all indian characters nothing beyond the salam alaikum alaikum assalam and a couple more words which are well known to western readers places in the book aren't named so not even the college that shalini goes to which i believe is manipal uh, all that uh, vijay says is that it's a place that's x hours away from bangalore because people know bangalore nobody knows of manipal even the descriptions of people are in the western mode uh, the hair color is the most important characteristic that vijay focuses on even though nearly everyone is black haired i think one guy has brown and no they don't talk of say the skin or the height or any other such thing i mean in india you describe someone you don't say he's black haired because that's considered the default uh, in case you think i'm putting down the book i'm not all i'm doing is trying to look at it from the lens of genre here even then i will agree that this is one of the better literary fiction books in recent years it's very smooth it's very fluent it does does its job does it introduce you to the 
some of the more complex problems in Kashmir? Yes, it does. Does it show you the non-touristy scenery of the place? Does it uh, bring out the people as real human beings and make you sympathize with them? Does it make you live their story? Yes, yes, it does. And finally, it does tell a good story. In fact, it probably does a better job talking of Kashmir than most of Bollywood, for example. So, as long as you keep the genre conventions in mind and understand that this is not the only way to speak of a place, you'll do well. You'll enjoy this book. It's worth it. It's definitely recommended. There's a reason why literary fiction is so popular and respected. At a superficial level, it appears to have a really broad base, covers any era, all sorts of people. So, of course, with a base such as broad as that, it's difficult to go into details. So, you have to live with that and understand what it's trying to do. As long as you are willing to take the pain to understand and read it and enjoy it, this is a great book to read. In terms of creating characters that you can sympathize with, uh, literary fiction has probably no equal. So, that was uh, The Far Field by Madhuri Vijay. Published by 4th Estate, late 2019 and priced at $5.99. Let's take a short break and we'll come back and talk about the second book of the day. Welcome back. If uh, books are capable of taking you to places you've never been, then they certainly are capable of creating impressions of those places. I had a friend who loved England and wanted to visit this was back when I was in school, uh, purely because he had read all the P.G. Woodhouse books and thought all of England was giant castles and the world of Jeeves and Wooster. At the other extreme, we have the Akashic Neuer books uh, set in places such as Detroit and New York and more recently India. Uh, these are collections of original Neuer short stories that are set in those places. I think for India, they have two volumes, Delhi Neuer and Bombay Neuer. Both are pretty good. On a lighter note, I think Sonia Mehta has written and published by Puffin a series of books uh, for each of the Indian states. So off to Kashmir, off to Himachal Pradesh, off to Gujarat and so on, which do a great job of preparing kids if you're going to take them on a vacation to that state. I've used a couple of these books for my kids and they have loved them all. But if you really want to know a place, I think uh, one of the best places to start is through its folk tales. Because after all, folk tales are the stories that people tell each other, people who are rooted in that place and who show a strong sense of belonging to that place. Although the lessons of these stories are often universal, the audience isn't. The authors of these stories tend to be unknown and the stories tend to have been polished over the centuries. And often the language is simple, meant to be understood by the common man. There have been several writers who have made it a point to collect these pieces of wisdom and folk stories and uh, rewrite them to make them permanent in a sense. Uh, one name that occurs to me is uh, Vijay Dandetha, the prolific and really talented chronicler of Rajasthani folk tales. Uh, his retellings of Rajasthani folk tales called Batari Fulwari, uh, meaning Garden of Stories, in 14 volumes also won the Sahitya Academy Award. I'm also reminded of two collections of folktales published by uh, our friends Blaft Publications. Uh, one is called Where Are You Going You Monkeys by K. Rajnarayan, translated from uh, the Tamil. The other is a collection of Mizo myths. Uh, the name of the author escapes me right now. 
but when you take these existing stories and turn them into written form and expose them to a newer larger audience it's a delicate balance between sticking to the original language and retelling it for the new folks so the book we are talking about today i think does a really good job of doing this the book is called the legend of himal and nagrai greatest kashmiri folk tales Uh, the stories have been retold by Onaiza Drabu, and it's published by Speaking Tiger Classics, and priced at three fifty rupees. This was published very recently in late two thousand nineteen. There is no better way to start talking about this book than to read out the first story, which is called Aftab Zoon Hawa. Here we go. The Pan. There were once three siblings: the sun, the moon, and the wind. Their mother was a distant star. somewhere far away one evening a very long time ago their grandparents invited them to dinner the three children went together while their mother waited for their return the grandparents had put together a feast the three dug in and ate to their heart's content while the boys were busy chattering and eating the moon their sister tugged away a morsel for each bite she took amma Has it been wrongly said that the sister is soft like butter and the brother hard like a rock? When they were starting to go back, the brothers, the sun and the wind, noticed the tiny bag of food she was carrying. They snatched it from her and threw it away for nothing but amusement. All right, I'm not going to tell you how the story ends, but I hope you noted the Kashmiri words that already were embedded in there. The title of the story itself, the first word, uh, "dapan." I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but that's described as it is said. Or in Hindi, I probably would translate it as "kahte hain ki." So, although they have translated this into English, the storytelling conventions remain the same as they were in the original Kashmiri. Uh, moving on uh, the selection of stories here is really excellent there are 29 of them including one last story which isn't a complete uh, traditional folk tale i'll come back to that but the others are then divided into four sections the first is what's called uh, tales from patal which is sort of fairy tales with mythic beings the second is tales from the janwar which are animal stories as they are called the third are tales from zameen which is people and the last one is tales from bolchal which basically translates to word origins and proverb origins now, all these stories are pretty good i mean they cover a really broad range of topics you don't feel much of a redundancy a few tales for example there is one story which is about a goat who's being eaten up by animals and she begs them to let her fatten up so they can eat her after she's plump and then of course we have all heard variations of that one in different cultures and the ending is slightly different in several of them uh, but no matter what the theme of the story the ethos of the landscape shines through for example uh, one term that's used in the stories is called ko e kaf which is defined as a range of mountains shrouded in mystery uh, known to be the farthest point on earth but really they map to what's called the caucasus mountains it sounds very natural that if you're living in mountainous terrain then the furthest mountains are where all the mysterious creatures live and that's that's the kind of place that people in these stories travel to to get magical powers and find magical creatures then in other places in the book uh, plains people people living on the plains are considered outsiders again and uh, they are not one of our own so to speak 
springs in the mountains water springs that is are places which are magical portals from which creatures from patal or the underworld come through to our world the title story in fact himal and nagrai it uh, it's a love story between nagrai the serpent prince who lives in patal comes through the spring to the earth and himal the earth princess and it kind of ends in a romeo and juliet kind of way i won't uh, describe any further to let you enjoy the suspense but as i said before these are not kids stories uh, let's not confuse them with fairy tales of the kind that say uh, hans christian andersen wrote neither are they moralistic always they don't have a happy ending and sometimes they are just stories for the sake of stories but still gripping for all that i'm particularly impressed by the last section of the book the word origins uh, stories they remind me a lot of the stories that we know about from our own languages so from hindi for example you have common proverbs like arab ka oont or kutte ki pooch or shankar ka bhoot and so on all of which have funny stories behind them so you have a similar set of stories from kashmiri which only a native kashmiri would probably know of and hearing these stories brings in that background and that depth to the language and the people all in all don't treat this as a kids book and don't treat it as simplistic treat it as a background primer to a whole culture of people and their language the amount of work that uh, onaiza drabo has put into this work book is amazing there's a whole bibliography at the end for all her sources and she explains where these stories came from and why she selected them as i mentioned before each state and each language in india probably has its own such collection and the it's always instructive to consider the differences and the similarities between these one interesting example of this similarity is uh, how some of the phrases in kashmiri sound similar to uh, urdu or hindi for example there is one proverb which is uh, written here as phota wangun a burst eggplant as it's called so in hindi that would be phata bangan and then you have a rakshas and then you have a yaksh hindi speakers know these words and they have heard them before and so there is a connection there and as you read the stories even in the themes you will see all those connections and similarities i started this episode by saying that i intended it to be a literary fiction kind of episode but i feel that these two books together give you an in and out of kashmir a look at kashmir from an outsider's point of view admittedly a sympathetic outsider and a look from the inside at what people think of themselves the stories they tell each other and what they think they are i wouldn't presume to tell you which is a better way of knowing kashmir just that both are effective and both give you different viewpoints as i record this episode uh, kashmir is still under lockdown we can argue back and forth about the merits and demerits but the net result is that the voice of its people are silenced and we all grow further fragmented as a nation just knowing more about each other recognizing the similarities and differences will make us all stronger together i don't claim to be political i'm aware of sometimes being really naive about some of these affairs but if you want to move together as a nation in the right direction it will only happen if we are together uh, basically there is no them and us it's just all of us Uh, the books i had this time were the far field by madhuri vijay published by fourth estate india in late 2019 priced at 599 and the legend of himal and nagrai 
a collection of Kashmiri folk tales by Onaiza Drabu, published by Speaking Tiger, also in late 2019, and priced at rupees 350. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Bukasul. If you did, uh, please do subscribe and recommend to your friends. And do feel free to contact me on Twitter at ps nisim to recommend any books that you'd like me to read or talk about, or any thoughts or suggestions on what I've been doing so far. I feel privileged to have made it so far. This is episode five, and I hope to keep going with your support and help. Thanks for listening again. Bye.